Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 31. And this week, we're going to be talking about the books that we love and we keep coming back to throughout the years. So sit back, relax, find your favorite reading spot, get some coffee with a lot of fancy whipped cream, and let's get started. In episode 22, we talked about the rewatchables, and those are the movies that we like to watch over and over. But in this episode, I want to talk about the rereadables, and those are the books that we come back to over and over, and we read them again and again. Now, I want to say this too I am not a big reread person. I typically finish a book and I'm done with it. Whether I liked it or not, I don't typically come back to a book once I've read it. And it's not because the book wasn't good and I wasn't satisfied with the way it was written. It's just once I've heard a story, I want a new story. But as I've gotten older, there are books that I have found myself revisiting and sometimes enjoying more than the first time I read them. And that comfort feeling is still there that I get from all the movies that I love. I know the plot, so there aren't any surprises, and I would say the tension is gone in that way, but I've also discovered that there are things that I didn't remember reading the first time around, or I view things in a different way now than I did when I first experienced the book as a younger person. So I'm going to give you some of my favorite books that I have read over and over, and I also asked some of you on Instagram to give me your favorite books that you tend to come back to many times. And I love some of those answers as well. So let's get into it. But as always, I will not spoil these books because I really truly believe that books are best enjoyed when you don't know too much about them. So you can enter into this podcast episode worry-free. I will not spoil these books for you. So there are two books that I want to talk about at the beginning because there are really two books that made me fall in love with reading. And the first one I have mentioned before, and it is Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. I read this book when I was around 10 years old, I would say. And it was the first book that made me recognize myself in a character. So the story is about an elderly brother and sister who live in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And they have decided that they are going to adopt a little boy to help around their farm. And they live at a place called Green Gables. And so when Matthew, the brother, goes to the train station to pick up the orphan that they have sent for, because I guess that's how they used to do it back then, no paperwork involved, you just say, I want a kid. Um, when he gets to the train station, it's a little girl. So they, they did not send a boy, they made a mistake, and they sent a little girl, and her name is Anne Shirley. And, of course, they want to send her back in the beginning. And Anne Shirley is completely different from anybody else in the town of Avonlea. That, that's the name of the town that they live in. She talks all of the time, all of the time. She wants to be a writer, so she writes really inventive, dramatic stories. She gets her friends to put on plays with her. She um, is, is cries a lot. She has a lot of feelings and emotions. And I remember reading that book and thinking, oh my gosh, there is somebody else like me. Even though this book was written almost 100 years before I was born, you know, well, not quite, but almost a long time ago, I felt like I knew who this person was. And that has stuck with me. I have read this book, oh gosh, probably 10, 15 times. I, I, I don't even know how many times I've read this book. When I was 16, my parents took me to Prince Edward Island because I was that obsessed. We took a train and 
I have never enjoyed a vacation more in my entire life. We went to see the actual Green Gables house that was the inspiration for the book, and it was magical. But this book is one of those books that just is beautiful, and it's sweet, and it makes me cry. Even now when I read it, there are scenes that I I can't really get through in the book without tearing up, but not in a devastated way, just in a very, this is very sweet. So I highly recommend it, especially if you have a little girl, or if you know of a girl, a middle school aged girl who is awkward and feels like she doesn't quite fit in, maybe she's not great at sports, I would say this is the book to hand her and be like, please read this book because it will change the way that you see yourself. And it did for me, for sure. The second book I want to talk about is one that I have also mentioned before, and it is also by Ellen Montgomery, and that is Emily of New Moon. I would call Emily of New Moon Anna Green Gables' sort of darker sister story. And I mean it in this way, where Anna Green Gables is very cheerful and bright and happy. Emily of New Moon is it's a happy story, but it's a little darker, a little more subdued, and a little more magical. So the main character is Emily Bird Starr. Her father dies at the beginning of the story. She's about 11 years old. Her mother died when she was young. And she is sent to live with her aunts, um, also on Prince Edward Island, but into a, a different place. And where Anne is a little bit tempestuous with her emotions, Emily knows who she is. And she has a, a, a fiery temper, but she stands firm on what she believes. And she wants to be a writer as well, but she's funny. I mean, the things that she does, <laughs> I have I, I, every time I reread it, I laugh out loud at a lot of the different plot points. But the best part of the Emily series, and there are three books in the series, is that Emily has the flash. I talked about this in the Glimmers episode, but it's a moment where Emily will see a glimpse into what lies beyond what she calls the veil, like the veil between this world and the next world is lifted and she sees what things are really like. And I love that idea. It so reminds me of that portion of scripture in the Bible I think it's in 2 Kings, and it's Elisha, and it's when he and his servant are in this this valley, and they're surrounded. This great army is coming to them, and they want to, they want to kill them, and his servant is terrified, and Elisha prays that God would open the servant's eyes so he could see what is really happening, and God does, and the servant is able to see all of the host of heaven, all of the angels fighting for them like and that they way outnumber the army that's coming to them. I love that thought that what we think is reality is not actually what's going on. And it's also such a hopeful thought for me that you know, life is hard. So when I reread this book and I read this book typically every fall, I will read it again. and it's very definitely a fall book. That's when I would start reading it because it just has that feeling to it. But it just reminds you that Things may be hard, but there is more. There are things that you can't see that are happening behind the scenes, and there are things that are working for your good. It gives you that feeling of hopefulness, but it's also just a great story. And Emily is just thoroughly enjoyable. And so I like all of the books in this series. Um, there's three of them. Again, they go from the time she's 11 till I think she's 20. She's in her mid-20s by the end of it. So if if you're somebody that just enjoys, you know, just a sweet story because it's very sweet and happy, but with just a little bit of magic in it, this is a book for you. 
next book that I have come back to over and over is called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. So this is a book that is set during the Napoleonic Wars in the early 1800s, and it's an alternate version of England and the world. But in Susanna Clark's version of England, magic is accepted. It's just a thing that everybody knows is real. There are lots of magicians throughout the world. They're very respected, but it's sort of fallen out of practice and out of fashion. But there is one magician named Mr. Norrell who brings it back, and he begins trying to help England in the Napoleonic Wars. And so they're using magic to fight Napoleon. (laughs) And then he has an apprentice at the beginning named Jonathan Strange. And Jonathan Strange is a young guy, and he's kind of an up-and-coming magician, and he has a lot of new ideas. And then they have a big parting of the ways, and then they become dueling magicians. And so they're both trying to help, but they're also kind of against each other. But this book is just mesmerizing. It is a doorstopper of a book. I will tell you that. It's really long, but you won't feel like it's long when you start reading it because it's just so good. There are um, like footnotes that make it feel like it's an actual history book in some ways. Like this could be a real story because there are actual historical figures inserted into the story. There are lots of subplots and different stories. There is um, a villain that is um, a fairy. Um, There are different worlds. And it's just a great, great story. So if you love Harry Potter, if you love Lord of the Rings, you will love this book because it's just, it's dueling, it's magic, it's sword fighting. It's, you know, it just, and it feels real. It feels like you are reading a story that actually happened. I actually looked up some of the characters because I was like, is that a real person? Some of them weren't, but some of them were because I wasn't sure at some points what was an actual historical figure or story and what wasn't. So if you'll love this book, just check it out. Trust me. Stephen King is my favorite author. And I've said this before, but not all of Stephen King's books are scary. However, this is one of his scary ones. (laughs) This is the first Stephen King book I read all the way through. And it's one of his lesser known stories, which is a shame because I think it's so well done. The name of the book is Duma Key. It was released in 2008. And it is about a guy named Edgar Fremantle who has a terrible accident while he's at his job. And he ends up losing an arm and he has some minor brain damage and he just can't seem to get past it. And everything just kind of falls apart for him. His wife leaves him. He's estranged from his children a bit. And his doctor tells him that he should probably just try to find a change of scenery, that it would be good for him to just switch things up. And he decides to move to Florida and he moves to this house um, on Duma Key. It's right on the beach. And he's trying to find things that he can do that he enjoys, that he used to love. And he used to love to sketch. So he starts drawing again. But now Edgar realizes that he is much better than he used to be. And not only is he better, the things that he draws start to happen. So the scenes that he draws end up occurring in real life. The people that he creates in his drawings start actually coming to life. And 
it is scary. There's, there's another, you know, whole plot that involves some ghosts and some evil things. And I would say that this book is sort of like it meets Shawshank Redemption, if, if that makes sense. It has the nostalgic feeling of it, especially, you know, if you've seen the movies that came out in 2017, it has that kind of a feel of the way things were with a dark underside to it. And then the Shawshank Redemption of just being a man searching for himself and and trying to come out a better person. So it's it's kind of a melding of those two kind of stories. So if you liked either of those books, I think you'll like this book. But like I said, be warned, it is scary. There are some really terrifying moments that made me a little uneasy, but that's how I know that it's a good book. I've revisited this book several times, but my mother has read this book way more than I have. When I talk to my mom on the phone, a lot of times I'll ask her what she's reading. And I can't tell you how many times she said, oh, I'm rereading Duma Key because she just loves it. So if you need another reason to go read it, Elena Allen gives this a ringing endorsement. So there you go. Honestly, my favorite kind of story is one that involves worlds within worlds. And I touched a little bit on this in the Emily of New Moon series, but I have read all the Chronicles of Narnia series so many times. I've read Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I just, I love that kind of a story. So this next book is kind of in that same vein, and it is called The Book of Lost Things by John Connolly. So this is a book about a little boy named David who has lost his mother, and he's just really sad about it. He loves to read, and he kind of loses himself in books trying to escape his feelings of grief. And then one night, he feels that he hears something, and he is hearing the books whispering to him. And he ends up going inside his books. And it is a fairy tale for adults who need to connect with that childhood part of themselves. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's got so many um, fairy tale tropes that you'll recognize, but they're also just turned a little bit um, on their head. And so some of it is dark and a little scary, but some of it is just heartwarming. And I actually cried when I reached the end of the book because it was so perfect. It, it ended in such a great way. John Connolly is just a wonderful author. You know, he's written a whole series of thrillers, the Charlie Parker thrillers that are so good. But this is a standalone book. And, it, you know, if you have ever dealt with losing someone that you love, and grief and not being able to talk to your parents or being able to communicate with someone and needing to, this is a book that is very healing and it just feels good. <laughs> and I, I just love it. So I come back to it a lot. So that is The Book of Lost Things by John Connolly. So the last book that I'm going to talk about that I love especially is a love story. And I am not usually a romance reader. I, I kind of find that I roll my eyes at a lot of things because I find them to be really not true to real life. And this one is definitely not true to real life, but it is enchanting. The book is called The Ghost and Mrs. Muir by R.A. Dick. 
And it's also a movie. I grew up watching this movie. It starred Rex Harrison and Gene Tierney and a young Natalie Wood. The movie is wonderful, but the book is even better. I mean, they always say that. But in this case, the book is even better. It's about this war widow named Lucy Muir who moves with her young daughter to this seaside village called Whitecliffe. And she rents this house called Gull Cottage and finds out that the house is rumored to be haunted by the ghost of a sea captain. And of course, she doesn't believe it in the beginning, but then she meets the ghost of the sea captain. His name is Daniel Gregg, and he's very cantankerous, and they don't get along at first, and then slowly they just begin this really sweet friendship. And then he actually asks her to write his memoir. So he wants people to know the real him. And he's furious because people think that he committed suicide and he didn't. And so he, want, he wants her to correct that. But he also wants to tell all of his adventures. And so she does. And it gets published. But that is only just part of the story. It is just the sweetest love story. It just makes you swoon. <laughs> and it makes you wish it was real. It, the ending is perfect. It's just, it's a perfect book. Um, it's one of the books that I come back to and I just need to lose myself in a happy story. So that is The Ghost and Mrs. Muir by R.A. Dick. It is a fantastic book. So now I want to talk about some of the books that you sent in that you said are books that you love and love to reread. The first one that was sent in is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. That is such a classic reread. I love that book. I read that book in eighth grade, and I will say I didn't know anything about it. And when Mr. Darcy makes a certain speech, his first real speech to Elizabeth, I was so surprised I dropped the book because I had no idea what he was about to say. And it, it really shocked me. <laughs> um, so of course, Pride and Prejudice is about Elizabeth Bennet, who is probably maybe one of the, the greatest heroines of all time, I would say, maybe the greatest. She's smart. She's funny. She knows who she is. She will not take anything from anybody. And she stands up for herself, especially at a time when women were not seen as, uh, worthy of being that way a lot of times. And it is one of the greatest love stories. Um, and I'm not going to say anything else about that because I feel like if you haven't read it or heard about it, you need to go in without any warning because it will delight you. So, and if you want to see a great movie adaptation of that one, obviously it's the Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. I mean, it has to be, right? The next one that was submitted was The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesy. I think that's how you say his name. This is an illustrated book. I read it in about probably less than 20 minutes, and it is one of the sweetest books I've ever read. I actually ordered myself a copy of it because I want to remember a lot of what it says in the book. It's so inspiring, healing, it just says so many things that I think we all need to hear. I think especially for children, this would be a wonderful book, but just for ourselves. I want it for myself. It's just a very sweet story, and I can't recommend that one enough. That's a book that you'll come back to over and over and over. Next, we have another one of my favorite books, and this is my sister's favorite book as well, and that is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. So people kind of fall in two camps, I think. You either really love Jane Austen or you love the Bronte sisters. 
or you love both of them. But I think people, you know, sometimes prefer one or the other. And I have to say, as much as I love Jane Austen, and I really do, I think I prefer the Brontes because they're just a little bit more, I don't know, unpredictable and um, emotional and dark. (laughs) And I'm kind of, you know, I I bend that way. But this is a story about an orphan named Jane Eyre who is just terribly mistreated for the most part, for most of her um, childhood, and ends up becoming a governess for a little girl at um, this really huge mansion. And there's a guy there who's the owner of the house named Mr. Rochester, who was dark and stormy and broody. And of course, you know what happens there. But that is just the beginning of the story. This is a gothic romance in the best way. There are literal secrets in the attic. And that's all I'm going to say. This has one of the best twists towards the end of the story, especially for that time. Um, But even now, it's just a great twist ending. Um, And I love this book. This is a book I have read um, more than once. And it is just fantastic. So Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. I will also say honorable mention to Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte and The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Anne Bronte. All three sisters have written wonderful books and those books are fantastic. So if you like dark and stormy and British um, on the moors, you should check all these books out. And then the last book that was submitted was Little Women. You know, it's really funny. I read Little Women when I was very small, and it didn't leave that much of an impression on me. I loved the 1994 movie with Winona Ryder, and then I really loved the Greta Gerwig version that came out just a few years ago. But I just recently reread this book, and it is so much better than I remembered as a child because it has so much more nuance to it and personality and stories within stories. And what's amazing to me is this book was actually written in just a few weeks time. Louisa May Alcott wrote this because she needed money for her family. And of course, the character of Joe was, you know, loosely based on herself and her family. And you can see it in the writing that she is intimately familiar with all of these characters because they are her family. But she wrote it that quickly. And um, I read an interview that she gave, and she said this was not a labor of love. It was more just I needed to provide for my family. But then it became something to her later. And, you know, she wrote several sequels. But the book is timeless. It's a wonderful story about sisters and about the bonds of family and how those things aren't broken. And it's also a great message about not settling for what is easy just because it would be easy to do. And the story is unique also in that it is about women at a time when, again, women were not seen as anything other than, you know, pretty and wives. But, you know, it's set during the Civil War and these women are capable and strong. They're not shrinking violets. They're taking up space and they're doing things that the men usually typically had done, but they're doing it without complaint and they're doing it well. And they're the main characters of the story. And so I just think that it is a great book to give to anybody, um, especially to little girls, to tell them that, you know, they can be strong and they can do things that are hard and to not compromise anything. And it's a book that's really earned the longevity it's attained. And I think it's a perfect book to close out this episode. 
All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week. And thank you, as always, for following and subscribing. It means so much to me. If you get a chance to leave a review on Apple Podcast, I would love that. It really just helps people find the podcast. And if you'd like to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I am at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.